0: a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast
1: what is up green bay packers fans welcome back to another edition of the pack a day podcast the three and O edition of the pack a day podcast the most fraudulent 3-0 edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I am your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. And I am joined by my non-fraudulent co-host, Ross Uglum. Find him on Twitter at Ross Uglum. Ross, how are we feeling today, man?
0: We're, we're feeling great. Um, we're a little stressed out uh, just from a family uh requirements aspect with the late Sunday game. um, It it just throws, it throws a little bit of a wrench into everything when your workday gets started at 11 PM after a Sunday night football game. But Hey, uh, it was a Packers win. So I guess it couldn't be that bad.
1: Yeah. It is always a little bit sweeter to have to stay up and do all that stuff when it's a win. It's just kind of bitter when it's not. But speaking of wins, man, what, what a game, you know, we're 40 or 24 hours removed almost exactly from where we're recording this right now. And you talk about stress, like just that it it was a stressful game when, when you watch the game yesterday in itself and super easy to get upset watching this game. I mean, this was one of those games, Ross, that as the Packers were leading for the majority, or, I mean, or for leading or in this game for the majority of it, it just felt like they were down by two scores. Um, and they ended up winning by two, you know, essentially two scores if you don't count the garbage time um, field goal. But, you know, I think you have to give credit to to the Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur. Um, before this game, you talk about – everyone wants to make excuses for him, saying – well, he's he's a young coach. He's he's inherited this this team with Aaron Rodgers. He's done this and that. I think we just need to throw that stuff out the window. Matt LaFleur is a heck of a head coach. No qualifier like he just is. And you want to talk about, well, he inherited Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he did. An Aaron Rodgers team that didn't make the playoffs for two years in a row. And, I, you know, I love Mike McCarthy. I love he won us a Super Bowl. Good for him. It was time for him to go. Just the cultural change that Matt LaFleur has brought to this team and to this organization, you cannot say enough about it. I mean, I'm stoked for the future of this team past the 12 era because of what Matt LaFleur has been able to do in his first two years. Um, You want a young, innovative head coach? Green Bay, you got one. You got one, I think, that needs to start being mentioned up there with the Kyle Shanahan's. Uh, with the McVeighs, with the, maybe not Andy Reid's just yet, yeah, he's got to do it for a few more years, but he is that type of mind. Ross, what are your thoughts on the future of this Packers franchise led by Coach Matt LaFleur?
0: I think you have to be thrilled um, if you are the, you know, the, the the Packers at this time with the decision. And and I mentioned this last night, like, yeah, you, you know what? you kind of have to give Mark Murphy credit. And and as mad as that's going to make some people, uh, flat out right now, Guttekunst and Murphy did this kind of together, and they made the right call, especially at the head position. Now, uh, Lafleur gave Pettin a chance to continue on, obviously, uh, as part of the holdover from Mike McCarthy's staff. Pettin, obviously, having been a late addition to that staff, McCarthy worked with Dom Capers for years. And that is more, I think, of a question mark than, than really anything else, is when does the time come for for Matt LaFleur to actually select his own defensive coordinator? Uh Yesterday. <laughs> um, but but that's
1: I mean that's not going to happen obviously and, and you know truth be told you know we love to rag on Mike Pettin and, and honestly I, I'm not going to defend him because before the game I don't think you even commented on it Ross it's like surely they're gonna have a plan for Alvin Kamara they didn't I mean I, I jokingly said today I mean he didn't even do anything like he ran he ran hitches and and flat routes that's it and they got him the ball in space and it's inexplicable to me how sometimes he would catch the ball with no one around him. Like surely that's not Mike Patton's doing. I'm, I'm sure someone missed an assignment, but how, how, when you know, Hey, let make Emmanuel Sanders beat you. Make Jared cook beat you make drew Brees beat you. They're not going to 41 is the guy that will beat you. And he almost did it single handedly last night. So that, that is what's frustrating. But, I think you know when you get back to Coach Lafleur, everything he's touched so far has basically turned to gold. So uh, I'm actually really I'm excited if, if he does get that opportunity in the next 12 months uh, to be able to pick one of his guys, uh, someone that he trusts, that he's come, maybe come up with that he sees something in. So that that's a really exciting you know proposition to think about moving forward. And for for all we know, Mike Petten's going to turn this thing around and play better. I mean, Ross, I think this defense has way too much talent. And 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 honestly, that is I think my main gripe is they got dudes everywhere on defense, but it just seems so discombobulated that guys aren't able to make plays or they they make plays in spurts and it's just like we want the consistency. You know, the last the last series that the Saints had the ball where I believe it was, it was a, a crossing route and Ty Summers made a great play. It was, I forget what the middle play was, but then the third play was capped off by Chan and Sullivan, just sniffing out that, you know, that little screen, that bunch formation. And it's like, why can't we get that more often? Why didn't we get that the whole game? Um, so that that is what's frustrating. But honestly, I don't want to talk about the defense that much because they're they're going to be talked about a bunch and they're going to be a main talking point moving forward just as you know the kind of the heel of this team. I I, I want to talk about guys on defense that made some plays that did some good stuff um and how that can get fixed. But the negativity around the defense is it is what it is. But um looking at the offense moving forward, um you know the all twenty two just came out like twenty minutes ago. So this will be fun to look at. But it, it seems to me, Ross, like the Saints came into this game and they basically said, all right, we're not going to let Aaron Jones beat us. We're going to take him out of the game. What 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 was what else was really interesting to me is the fact that they basically chose MVS over Lazard as the, the the receiver that they didn't want to beat them. Um, and so what does Lazard do but go out and have a career day? So that's a lot of fun. Um, but from your eyes, Ross, just looking through the, the game, I guess, just the live film – um, what is your assessment of that, of how basically the Packers were able to come out and attack this Saints defense, you know, down Devontae Adams?
0: Really excellent work. And I think uh, Ben Fennel put it best when he just said, like, this is the most Matt LaFleur game they've had, period. Uh, I, I really felt like he took control of this offense. And then after doing that, evolved throughout the game because, Who knows? I mean, maybe Aaron Jones and Marquez Valdez Scantling were the plan and the Saints say, well, we're bracketing Marquez and we're putting Malcolm Jenkins all up in Aaron Jones's business, which, by the way, worked great. I mean, you want to talk about that guy, that Raven Green, before him, Josh Jones, last night, Will Redmond, like that guy that Mike Pettin has been searching for for I don't know how long, it's Malcolm Jenkins. And unfortunately, New Orleans signed him instead of Green Bay, uh, despite a pretty paltry price tag. Uh, I think he played really, really well, taking away Jones. They took away Valdez-Scantling. And what did Rodgers and Lafleur do? Okay, well, we'll draw stuff up for Big Bob, and we'll hit Jace on a few things. And we'll get Jamal Williams more involved than he was the first two weeks. And, oh, by the way, it's going to be a career night for Alan Lazard. And I just thought that, man, uh, I think what you would have seen in years past is Rogers drawing up like ISO routes at the line of scrimmage, taking the snap, not seeing anybody open, running around and either throwing the ball away or taking a sack. I, I just this was so much better and so far beyond anything that the Packers have done without a key player. Uh, In the past, and that's the kind of thing, you know, like when Rodgers went down, they had to go to the Hundley stuff or uh, times in the past when they have been missing Jordy Nelson uh, with an ACL tear, they have been missing Devontae Adams. You saw the best possible version of what Green Bay's offense can look like without their best weapon, basically.
1: And I think a lot's going to start to be made, I think, about – you know, this McVay Shanahan type coach, but the thing that McVay doesn't have and the thing that Shanahan doesn't have is an Aaron Rodgers, you know, and you you look at Matt LaFleur and I think it's exciting. And I'm not, we don't need to talk about Jordan Love, but you need to start looking towards the future of this team. That is what I think is exciting is the stuff that they do, like Aaron Rodgers is going to elevate it, but you look at the 49ers and it seems like they can just plug a quarterback in there and still be able to run what they want to do. Um, And that's, what's exciting. And and speaking of, you know, comparing quarterbacks, uh, some, a lot was made before this game about Drew Brees and, you know, can he throw the ball 20 yards down the field? It doesn't look like it. I mean, it really doesn't. And I I love Drew Brees, but he looks like um, he's about done. They can still be an effective offense. And you, you see that last night, just kind of doing the dink and dunk. And a lot was made last night because at a certain point in the game, it was something like Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers had only attempted like three passes beyond the line of scrimmage, and Drew Brees was at like 11. And people talking about at least in my DMs, telling me, well, that's because this the Aaron Rodgers is just a dink and dunk guy now. He's kind of going to go down the same trajectory as Drew Brees. The difference being is we saw throughout the game the Packers are under Matt LaFleur. They love to dink and dunk. They love that to get uh to get horizontal, all that stuff. Space people out, get people moving the wrong direction. The thing about Aaron Rodgers though is he will do that, he'll do that, he'll do that, and then he will absolutely jam a dagger into your heart with a 72-yard, you know, needle bomb to Alan Lazard. He did it twice. You know, so that's to me the difference between you know, people wanting to say Aaron Rodgers is is just going to try to dink and dunk. He's just that type of quarterback. Um, we're seeing that he can be, and he can be effective, and he can make the easy stuff look easy like he has not done in the past as consistently as, as he is this year. Um, but when you look at those two guys, you look at Breeze and Rodgers, and you did – and I don't know, Ross, did you notice a difference last night when you just look at the two guys throw the ball? I mean, Breeze looks like he he's cooked.
0: Yeah, and I think that's pretty easily the difference, right? You just have one guy who's cooked and one who's not. Uh, Rodgers still has everything in his arm that I've, I've ever seen. Um, you know, that bomb to Lazard looked like a whole bunch of other bombs in his career. And Breeze is, is not that. I mean, he's he not have the same zip. And it's not that you can't win without him because there are quarterbacks with huge arms that can't get it done. But you're going to have to run a completely different offense with Breeze. And it's going to look a lot like the one that. Frankly scored thirty points against Green Bay yesterday.
1: Yeah. And and there's probably two backs in the NFL that I'd rather have over Aaron Jones. And one of them's Kamara. The other one's probably McCaffrey. But those three guys are, are pretty similar um in the ways that they're used. And and you hit the nail on the head with Malcolm Jenkins. And I think it's interesting because if you go back and watch the the Raiders game, he absolutely, he got torched. Yeah, he they was rough. On him. And you you could kind of almost start thinking, well, is this guy, is he done? And he played, he played like an absolute all pro. You got to tip your hat at what he was able to do last night. He made things so extremely difficult for what the Packers wanted to do. Um, And the play that really stands out to me is that little, uh, that little screen gadget type deal they had to Tyler Irvin where you really thought Irvin was gonna get the gonna get that little inside corner on him and pick up about 20 30 more yards but just didn't and and that's the type of stuff that I think Green Bay is missing on their defensive side of the ball but you know the Packers defense but they, they had some they have some dudes I mean Jair is getting to be as close to a lockdown corner as there is in the NFL uh, you look at his targets last night and they're just bonkers how good they are what was it? he? He's targeted twice. Gave up one completion for negative two yards, and the but, other one was a
0: dropped pick six. That was yeah, the other target. Yeah,
1: which he's man. That that's the only thing that I think Jair just needs to do to be an a, elite elite player. Judge he needs Machine. To make, he needs to make those plays, man. Um, and it's to the point too. What's really fun is how, and I don't know if you call it arrogant, but like even if you go look at. Like As I tweet through games, a lot of times the fan in me comes out and I'm not as like partial about things. I'm just like, I get, I'll get upset. And the, part, the fan in me, though, still, is even after that first half, you can go check my receipts. I said, the Packers are going to win this game by two scores. Because when 12 is playing the way he is, the way he's playing right now, if you bet on him, you more often than not are going to be correct. And the Packers didn't win by two scores, but essentially they went up by two scores with two minutes left in the game. So that's the quarterback that we have not seen in four or five years. The one that you just know is going to get it done. And that's basically where he has returned to. And it's, it's funny because you can make excuses for him the last couple of years, how, how things went and how basically how he played the game of football and, you see the way he's playing now and people that were making excuses say, Oh, he's still the same guy. He's still the same. Maybe he was, but I mean, it just, it looks different to me, Ross. It it looks like he is just in so much more control out there than he has been in the past to the point where you trust him, you know, getting back to the 2010, 2011, you just know 12 is going to go do his thing. And that's that. And the last couple of years have not really been that way. You kind of start to lose faith in him. It's like, is he gonna get this done for us? Um, but he is he's back, man, and he looks as good as I mean, as good as ever, truthfully.
0: Yeah, I, I I've noticed, you know, and I mentioned like three things that I really saw were you know, number one for sure is the uh the uh ball getting out. Hit your hit your back, you know, three step, five step, seven step, ball gets out. And it doesn't mean they and Dunk necessarily. Like you've seen his A dots long. His average depth target is past where it has been over the course of the last couple of seasons. He is pushing the ball downfield, but he's doing it in rhythm, um, not taking sats. The other thing is obviously like some of this credit has to go to Matt LaFleur. I mean, unreal some of the uh scheme things that he's doing. Guys, you know, stuff that you know anyone could hit, not that. I'm downplaying Rodgers' performance because I'm not, but, I mean, he is having life basically like Tom Brady had life his entire career. They're finally doing that a little bit here for Aaron Rodgers. And then the third thing is the deep game is just so much more efficient, and these these bomb shots aren't really prayers. You're seeing more precise deep throws, stuff that you know made everybody so terrified of Rodgers in the earlier years of his career.
1: Yeah. And I think you look at the way they just draw stuff up. And I think you'll see a lot of that this week when that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the, the all 22 coaches film is out. Prepare yourself because there's going to be a lot of, you know, smart people showing us exactly how Matt LaFleur made. It's so difficult to be able to tell if it's a run or a pass. I mean, the way he disguises his formations and the way he will run that play action. I mean, it's it's just filthy. It really is. And at the at the NFL level, if you can get these linebackers to take one half step the wrong way, that's what opens up, you know, that 35 yard deep pass is the fact that you now have you have a two yard window instead of a no window where Rogers has to be pinpoint accurate with it. And, you know, he's just it's he's taking the easy stuff. And I think, you know, our buddy Ben Fennel talks about it all the time. Like offense doesn't need to be hard. And he still has those secondary skills where he can he can evade the pocket. He can get outside and and throw a sixty yard laser off his back foot. He can still do that stuff. But it doesn't have to become like your first tool out of your toolbox. It is it is what it is. It's a desperation, big time throw that you hope you don't have to make. And we haven't really seen him have to make that stuff. And that's and that's good. That's a good thing. So, you know, the way this offense is trending, you have to be excited. You absolutely have to be excited. I mean, let's talk about these tight ends a little bit. You know, guys wanted to, you know, guys want to write off, you know, Big Bob Tanyan after week one. Didn't do much. Week two, you know, Jace drops two really easy balls that you and I you and I could have caught. And he comes back. He has a great night. I love that they went back to him. Just talk about the the confidence that Rodgers and the coaching staff has in him. And and then there's the big dog. I mean <laughs> he had two plays last night. One, you know, that catch he made was incredible. That was an incredible throw. There's just an incredible sequence of a play um, by Rodgers. People want to talk about OPI. I thought it looked like it was right away. But you go back, watch the replay. Jenkins and him were, they were just playing football. And and that's, and that's Big Dog just ended up winning at the catch point. But that block that he had on, on Cam Jordan uh, on that fourth and one play, th- that's – that's special, man. Like there's not many tight ends in the league that can do that, especially at, you know, how old is he? 36, 37? I mean, he's essentially another offensive tackle out there. If he doesn't make that block, if he's not who he is, Cameron Jordan is an all-pro player. He he runs through most tight ends that are asked to block him one-on-one on, in a goal line situation. He absolutely runs through their face and makes that tackle two yards in the backfield. Um, but Mercedes Lewis holds his ground. Uh, and gives Aaron Jones just enough of a crease to get in. I mean, you got to love what you're seeing from the tight end position. And then, not to mention, Matt LaFleur's one of seems like his his biggest crush this year is Josiah DeGuara, who hasn't played since week one. So that's a position, Ross, that I think is going to be really exciting to watch develop moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, the tight end group, I think, even when – and maybe they'll replace him with another blocking tight end or um, maybe draft a Trayvon Wesco – Dalton Schultz type kid, you know, in, in, in the next year's draft, somebody even like a Ben Ellison at North Dakota state who is gone now, obviously to, to Jacksonville, but a player like that who is sort of seen as a one trick pony at the next level, because outside of that, what they have in dynamic weapons in the passing game moving forward, I think it's extremely exciting. If you're a Packers fan, um, Robert Tanya being your more traditional, tight end, and then Jay Sternberger being more of a flex type of, of player, and then the, the fullback hybrid use chick type with Deguara, I think they can be extremely diverse in what they stress an offense with.
1: Yeah, and you talk about versatility. That's something that was harped on all offseason of what they wanted to do. They want to disguise what they're doing. And I think and Bross, I'm sure you'll probably be tweeting out stuff like that tonight as you're, as you're diving into some of this offense. Um, you're seeing it three weeks into the season. Defenses just don't really know how to attack this offense because you, you, you roll out 12 personnel, you know, you got two tight ends, you got three tight ends out there and they all can run routes. They're all athletes. They all can do stuff in in the passing game and the run game. So, uh, it's it's just a lot of fun the way this in year two this offense has been constructed. And moving forward, what's what's really fun for me as really a, a big draft guy as well is to kind of realize Matt LaFleur knows what he wants on this offense and, and good Goody's gonna go out and get it. And that's fun. That 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 means you you have an offense that is uh breaking records after three games. Um, if you remember back to the 2011 season where they broke all types of records, this offense is on a faster pace than them right now. And if you would have told people that in the off season, uh, I'm sure they would have laughed at you as many people did laugh at this Packers off season. And what, what, a what a vindicating first three games of the season so far, um, Packers fans, if this, if the rate keeps going, are going to be insufferable. <laughs> and and, they, and honestly, they deserve it because of the way uh, their team was kind of drugged through the mud this offseason. How, you know, they didn't get Rodgers a weapon. They didn't do this. He's only, he's only, my God, he's only thrown two touchdowns to a first round draft pick. Like, good Lord, like gag me with a spoon. Um, just absolutely ridiculous nonsense. So it, it's going to be a super vindicating season, I believe. And, uh, you know, Ross, what what is holding this team back, you know, if you want to talk about the defense, sure. But do you not think the defense can get better? I mean, um, it's three weeks into the season. So when you look at this team 30,000 feet up and say, okay, if I am an offense and I want to beat this green Bay Packers team, what do you do
0: right now? Uh, I mean, I think you just, you commit to running the football and you uh, harass green Bay's you know, receivers at the line. Now they might go to tight bunch formations and, and run other stuff. And uh, I think a, one other thing I'll do is something that Green Bay did in Minnesota last year, uh, which was to just tell that backside rusher, like you're going to hit the quarterback every time uh, and they are not going to boot out on us no matter what. I would start sending guys at Rogers. Uh, and, and yeah, you might lose backside contain on a couple of runs, but that boot game is, is really lethal right now. Um, but I, it, like I said, offensively, it's just established the run and stick to it. I think the only time that, that new Orleans really got in trouble is when Peyton and breeze just couldn't help themselves anymore and said, we have to throw the ball down the field. We're drew breeze and Sean Payton, And then you saw Kingsley Kiki get involved. You saw Zedaria Smith get involved and you saw, you know, uh, De- decent coverage downfield, obviously from Jair and from, from others.
1: Yeah. And man, talk about Kingsley Kiki, like what, what, a, what a second year jump he is making right in front of our eyes. And if, if he can, you know, he's one of those guys, if he can make that jump continue to progress, if Rashawn Gary can continue to progress, you know, throw in Zadarius and you got to assume Preston Smith's going to show up at some time. Um, You know, this, I think the safety play has been really suspect this year. Um, And then obviously the Packers don't care about inside linebacker. I think that is super apparent, super evident. But if I don't care about inside linebacker, give me dudes that can just run. And that's, that's Burks and that's Summers. And I honestly thought, I thought Summers played well, well enough yesterday to to win a lot of football games. So um, that's fine with me. And the, the other guy that I'm thinking about that I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about is Curtis Bolton. Do you think he's even do you think he's even in their plans moving forward? I mean, he's on the PUP. Uh if there was ever a time for him to get healthy and, and make an impact or try to make a squad, this
0: this would be it. Yeah, it's too bad for him. I mean, I, I really liked his game. I thought he played extremely well in those four preseason games last year. I thought he was probably part of the future uh at the position for the Packers. But it's hard to, to get there now mentally. I mean, uh even if the Packers move on from Christian Kirksey in a year, which my God, it looks like they should. Um, I think your, your long-term plan is still some combination of Chris Barnes, Ty Summers and Kamal on Martin uh, to say nothing of obviously Oren Burks or any future draft choices. I don't, I don't see a, a path for Bolton really to be a huge part of what they do moving forward, which as I mentioned, is sad because I, I just thought the kid could play. Yeah,
1: same. And, and that's what I mean, though, if injuries keep piling up and if he's healthy, which it's, it's interesting that he's not healthy yet, that's a long that's a long injury. Um, but, it, you know, there's he's a body he can play. He might be someone that is in their plans. I don't know where his what his headspace is right now, either or what the Packers are for him as uh, either. Uh, Kamal Martin will be really interesting when he gets back. We heard, you know, all this crazy good stuff about him in camp, but. You know, for him, I hope the pressure doesn't get so big that we're going to be let down. I mean, we have not seen this kid play a snap. And I'm sure Packers fans are going to hopefully not, you know, anoint him as like some type of savior that's going to come in and save this defense. Um, and maybe he will be. Who knows? Be, go, go wild, Packers fans. But uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting when he gets back and, and what the timeline for him will be. Um, but you know, that was a fun game. That was a lot of fun looking back on it. You know, if you're not a fan of either of these teams, it's gotta be, it had to be, have been a ton of fun to watch. Um, you know, next week, you know, before we go, there's just kind of looking at the Falcons and how, you know, they have given up more points than anyone in the NFL. Conversely, the Packers have scored more points than anyone. Um, and then the Falcons offense is on, is, uh, is no joke either. So you know, the Packers could be in for an absolute shootout next week. Um, so that'd be fun. It'd be great to go into the bye four and 0 we'll get some of those guys healthy. Um, and we'll see. So Ross, if you, if you don't have anything else, um, that's all I got, man. Just kind of enjoying, enjoying being three and zero, enjoying watching this team play, you know, fun football. So uh, guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, and as always go Packers. <laughs> i <laughs>